spelling out the myths, misinformation, and BS in the wellness industry. This is the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. Here's your host, holistic pharmacist, supplement expert, Big Mouth, Dr. Neil Smoller. Hi, everyone. I want to thank Dr. Larry Dresdale, psychologist and frequent mental health expert in our little world here. He's joining us in our series, Coping with COVID. Uh, Dr. Dresdale will be one of three experts joining us. He's told me, as my other friends in the mental health field, that uh, they're quite busy. (laughs) So I want to thank you for your service to your patients during this difficult time. And a lot of people out there have been asking because I've been, you know, we did a couple versions of this already. Why is a pharmacist and a supplement purveyor talking about mental health so much, right? And I say, great question, voice in my head. Maybe we can talk about that, Dr. Dresdale. Uh, But anyway, I believe that true holistic care involves not just supplements, but healthy life choices, strategic, simple supplement use, and conventional therapy. It's only with all three of those that we can live our best lives. So mental health and management of stress is a big part of these lifestyle factors. So this is a wellness conversation. There's no pitch for any products. Please don't think that I'm trying to sell anything. I don't know, maybe we can sell some LuLaRue pants or something like that. Are you into that? <laughs> anyway, I've got sorry. mine on. You're going to see the waist up. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I've got no pants on. So it's fine. <laughs> so sit back. I'm not trying to sell you anything uh, except maybe that I'm a decent dude, right? Because we all have an ax to grind at some, some point, right? But I truly hope that uh, this helps someone out there even just a little bit. So with all that nice stuff being said, I want to start out by asking Dr. Dresdale, uh, is it just me or does everybody just feel like sh-? <laughs> <laughs> That's a clinical term. Um, well, under the current circumstances, uh, there is a lot of people who are struggling a great yes. deal and don't feel well um, in multiple spheres of their lives. Uh, we're encountering something that I don't think any of us, unless somebody was alive during the pandemic of 1918, <laughs> uh, has ever encountered before. Even for people who have encountered other crises of a significant nature, they've been localized and usually time limited. Um, 9-11, hurricanes, things of like that, even wars too, for the most part, as difficult as they can be. Um, this is something that is unprecedented in our experience and for which we have no preparation and understanding for how to process. So everything in our lives has in a very short period of time, literally in a matter of days and weeks, just been turned upside down. The structure of our lives, the routines, everything has changed. And so, yes, absolutely. It is really difficult and feeling that you're not coping well, feeling sad, feeling depressed, feeling anxious, feeling unhappy, feeling grief, feeling like you can't get anything done, like you can't concentrate, um, worried about what's going to happen in the future and so forth. These are all absolutely normal responses to an abnormal situation. And one of the things that people who have developed um, strong mental habits do is accept when they are feeling this way, rather than self-criticism, judgment, blame, pushing it out away, 
and all of those things it's like yep this is where i am and this is what i feel now uh, i something that comes up commonly with my patients now is they'll say well you know i, I don't have a right to feel so bad because <laughs> other people you know have got it much worse I, at least i have a house i can walk around in. i can go outside i'm living in upstate new york maybe they still have work to do etc there are people who have none of those things um and are really struggling it and this is a way of minimizing our own experience which is not helpful right it is true all of those things exist for other people and we can have compassion for their circumstance but we also have to have compassion for our own this is our situation our feelings and our situ in our circumstance so so accepting that and being kind to ourselves around that, acknowledging it is really a very important thing to do. So, Dr. Dresdale, can you talk to me about the grief that people are experiencing? I feel like that's the big emotion for me. I'm grieving the healthcare workers that are being exposed to this, like they're going to war without bullets. And I'm grieving the loss of normalcy. <laughs> I'm grieving some quarantine time. I'd like some quarantine time if I could. Um, but so what have you been hearing uh, around grief? Like what's coming up for people and, you know, what, how are people, I guess, manifesting their grief in an unhealthy way? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So first of all, in times of crisis, um, there is a huge amount of loss and uh, grief is a natural reaction to loss. And the list of losses in this pandemic is significant. Let's just start with the loss of our normal lives. Right. Um, the things that we're used to doing every day. All the stuff no I could buy. I and all buy the stuff we could buy, right? <laughs> uh, go into the store, mm -hmm. um, go into a restaurant, go to the gym, go mm -hmm. here, go there, go to school, see your friends, um, be with people. There are uh, a number of people I know, uh, patients who are alone. Uh, they're living alone. They used to go out and do everything. Now, you know, so they've lost their social contacts. Um, physical contact, even people who are in the same family, I know, are wary of hugging each other and touching each other. That's a loss. There's a loss of income. Um, and then there are the larger losses. People who have lost physical functionality due to having COVID-19. Right. And people who have lost loved ones, friends, uh, through this uh, disease. Um, so the list goes on and on and on. Um, so grief comes up when we encounter the loss. And I'm sorry, I forgot the latter part of the question. Well, I guess, like, how, how is it being manifested for people uh, in an unhealthy way? Yeah, thank you. You know? So once again, when we deny our feelings or the legitimacy of our feelings, something's going to go sideways on that one. So there's a lot of way to deny our feelings, to suppress them, to say, you know, what's wrong with me? What am I weak? Um, you know, I shouldn't need to toughen up or whatever. Or we can engage in unhealthy behaviors. Um, I'm just going to sit here and watch Netflix for the next 57 days, uh, <laughs> not feel anything. Mm -hmm. um, and, oh, I'll have a drink in my hand. And, oh, all this junk food in front of me. So Yeah, that's me, the junk food. <laughs> right. So don't even 
have to feel anything. I'm just going to do anything I possibly can to block it out. Or it can come out in frustration, annoyance, irritation, and anger because of the lack of willingness or the failure to admit I'm really sad, let alone holding in the tears. Right. And as you mentioned earlier, it extends outward to people we don't even know. I mean, there's over 7 billion people on this planet, and apparently at least half of the world's population is now sheltering in place. I mean, that's unbelievable, right? And people are suffering enormously. People don't have enough food to eat, etc. So it's just the grief around the knowledge of this and the bombardment uh, if one overexposes oneself to the news and the media. Everywhere. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there are these unhealthy ways that people cover up or indirectly express the, their authentic feelings. And the antidote of that is to understand we are all struggling with loss right now. I was, you know, on the phone with my daughter who's living in New York City this oh. weekend. And, I mean, we were both near tears, the fact that we can't see each other and how we miss just giving each other a hug when we do get to see each other. I mean, I felt that loss very profoundly, you know. So we have to understand we are suffering loss and we are grieving those losses. Understand we must admit that and say, I am sad. I am grief-stricken. I don't know what to do. I feel powerless. My life is changing in front of my eyes and I don't know what to do about it. And I want to cry. And hopefully, we can let ourselves cry when we need to cry. And we can laugh when we need to laugh. But finding just the authentic way to register and express that emotion goes a long ways towards doing away with the unhealthy ways that it will come out and harm ourselves or others. So a lot of people, you just touched on this, the lack of physical contact, right? That's what people are dealing with. Now, I've got a hacky joke that I want to say because this is what I do. My wife told me that we can't be intimate until this is over because of coronavirus. So is that true, doctor? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Give me your number. I'll call her right now. <laughs> Straighten that out. I actually had a cardiologist one time because I was uh, anxious before I, I got to meet a, a nice psychotherapist. And, uh, and he actually wrote a prescription like, uh, you know, like, hug your husband more or like, you know, whatever. So it was, right. uh, you know, I've had that medical advice given. But anyway, the, the physical contact lacking in people's lives, mm -hmm. you know, um, that's a big piece that people are trying to wrestle with and trying to deal with. And, you know, it doesn't even, I feel like it doesn't even have to be physical. Like we actually walked around our neighborhood the other day and we stood at the end of somebody's driveway and then they were at their house and we right. like had com a conversation and it felt great. You know, it felt amazing, yeah. actually. Yeah. And so this idea of the lack of physical contact. Now, this feels like something that is much more difficult to address. It sounds like, you know, based on what you've said already, that we'd want to accept that this is hard. And But, like, how, how do we scratch this itch that mm -hmm. we need as social humans? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we're now all alone together. Um, and as I said earlier, uh, there are even folks in the same family who are wary. Oh, you went to the supermarket today. Uh-oh. Um, right. 
you know, I can't, I can't touch you because you maybe you touched a vegetable and now you've got <laughs> the virus. And, you know, I mean, we're, we're fearful and we're anxious and we're afraid. I mean, this is serious business. And uh, for many people, it is literally a matter of life and death, as we know. So as human beings, one of the fundamental elements of being human is contact. I mean, what's the first thing after babies are born? Mm-hmm. Put it on the mom's chest or the dad's chest. I mm-hmm. mean, that contact starts immediately in our lives, and it is comforting and soothing when it is loving, when it's gentle, when it's kind. We are animals of touch, and we need that. And now people are coping with not experiencing that. You know, I do virtual hugs with people. You know, <laughs> you know it's like waving my arms around, you know, yeah. wanting to hug my, my family. Um, you know, it's very, very difficult. Um, so what can we do? Well, we can seek out tactile comfort from one another if we do feel safe enough being in contact with each other. Um, you can hold hands and wash your hands afterwards, you know, <laughs> and those of us who are lucky enough to have someone who we can do this with, right? Mm-hmm. We can seek out tactile comfort in um, pets if we have them. Very important. They don't seem to know that there is an epidemic, a pandemic. My dogs are more than happy to come in contact with me. Right. Um, and I'm very grateful for them. And uh, other people have pets, so that can work. If you don't have a pet and you're on your own, tactile comfort from objects, you know, something that just feels really good against your skin. Maybe it's that favorite blankie, you know, Mm -hmm. or a sweater or something that just when you're touching it, gives you sensations of tactile comfort. Or we can hug ourselves. You know, we can do one of these, right? Yeah, we can do this, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, We can hug ourselves by putting our hands on our heart, right? Or both hands. We can do both hands here. And it may not seem the same. It's certainly not. But lo and behold, when we do it, it's contact. And we do feel comforted from that contact. Uh, For some people, it may be, you know, covering up with a couple of blankets so there's some weight on the body they actually sell these weighted blankets for people who have anxiety. Mm -hmm. And the reason it works is because of this strong sense of tactile experience of the weight that we feel. So those are things that we can do. And other things, you know, take a bubble bath, something that touches the skin, right? And feel the pleasure from that. And also, once again, just understand this is a real thing. We're not being sissies or babies. Oh, okay. I need touch. No, we need touch. Yeah, there was a very famous series of experiments that was done in the 1950s uh, that demonstrated how critical touch is for developmental well-being and our psychological, a healthy psychological functioning. So those are some thoughts that I have mm-hmm. that perhaps could be helpful. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. Uh, not for me. I'm asking for a friend, but how do you go to a strip club after something like this? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not about you, right? You would Definitely never ask not. that question. <laughs> well, it just keep six feet away from the pole. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> the poor things. Did you see there was a great little sign? One of them said, 
clothed until June. I clothed. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> Very cute. A lot, a lot of good memes coming out these days. <laughs> that we have to laugh. You know, that's another part of it. If yeah. we take it all too seriously all the time, right? Yeah. We do have to laugh. So that's good. So on the other side of things, we have people that are lacking contact. And then you have what's going on in my house. And I'm sure all of my friends house with young children, there's too much contact. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> so we have some stir crazy cabin fever people Ooh. that are trying to deal with kids up in your face all day. And, yeah. and then my wife, you know, four young children, she's there by herself because I have to be here. And then I'm working like crazy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, we have it, we have a good, but it is difficult for us. And, uh, and she has to homeschool them now too. Yes. And there's homeschooling four children and dealing with all of that. And there's, there's, so there's that. And uh, that idea of being home and kind of going a little bit nuts, what are some coping strategies, I guess, that would, that would help people? Okay, good. Those are good questions. Well, having four children of my own, I can sympathize. Fortunately, they're all adults now. And it's not living yes. with me. So right. I really caught a break on this pandemic. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but these are, this, these are really important questions. Um, so actually, I'm going to refer to a note. Sure. So if you forgive me if I look down for a moment. No, I've been looking um, down all the time. I'm so, a professional. Yeah. <laughs> so, what, so some of the things that we really, we really need to think about is, one, just to admit how hard it is. Okay. There's no, oh, just buck up, you know. This is enormously difficult. It's difficult for the parents. It's difficult for the children. It's difficult for all the people who are living under one roof and didn't plan to do that 24-7 for months on end, right? Right. <clears throat> With a few breaks. So that's helpful. And to listen to one another. Kids, you and your wife, of, well, this is really, this is really hard. And to acknowledge to each other, yeah. This is really enormously difficult. This isn't easy. And to tell your kids that too, you know, let them know, you know how hard it is for them. They don't go to school. They don't see their friends. They don't have their normal outlets. They're not going to soccer on, you know, uh, Saturdays, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so even though it may have been their fantasy to have a perpetual snow day, they're discovering <laughs> it's not as no, much thanks. as they thought it was going to be. Right. <laughs> right. Parents have to be really resilient in this one and cooperative under high stress. So that means tag teaming, uh, really helping each other out. And I suggest doing it with structure. When are you going to be with the kids? When is she going to be with the kids? Because when we know that a break is coming, it allows us to function much better than, hey, would you die to camp right now? Can you, you know, it's like, I don't know what's coming. How much longer do I have to put up with this? Oh, I can do this for another 15 minutes, right? right. And then you're on. So that's really helpful. And, the, and also then self-care. Uh, we really need to know what we need and to identify it and verbalize it and do our best to try to either get it for ourselves or if there's someone who can provide it to us. So that's really important. So though that thing is really critical. So when you do get the break, it's not like, oh, that's to do the laundry or wash the dishes and da-da-da-da-da, right? It's like, wait, I need to go take a ride or I need to put my mask on and go take a walk. Or mm -hmm. maybe I just need to sit outside. You know, thankfully the weather is getting warmer. 
right. um, with a cup of tea and my headphones on so I can't mm -hmm. even hear the screaming of the house anymore. Right. right. I've been saying guilt-free, uninterrupted time is really what, what's needed. Yeah, I would think so. Um, and, and just allow oneself to have that, you know, and maybe at the end of the day when the kids are asleep, you know, yeah, there's exhaustion, but is there some small and nice thing that one can do for oneself uh, as a treat? You know, just a way to take care of yourself. I mean, you know, people aren't looking so good anymore. It's like, well, maybe <laughs> I just will wash my hair. Right. Maybe um, I'll change in from my bad pajamas to my good pajamas. <laughs> yeah. I've been wearing these for three weeks. Maybe <laughs> I will do that. You know, just mm -hmm. something that would make us feel better, mm -hmm. you know, about who we are so we don't keep devolving through the course of this. Or it's sitting down and reading something that's meaningful, inspirational, our favorite poem, um, something that makes us laugh, or maybe it's just, let's just spend 15 minutes together, even if we just sit here quietly right. next to each other. One of the things that I said at my house was like, just deal with it fully. Uh -huh. Because there's a right. lot of like partial, like I'm, I'm just gonna deal with it enough to get through the hour, yeah. You know, afternoon, day. And it's like, you have to really embrace and say, this is tough and this is hard, you know, and really, really address it. Right. Uh, because then it just allows you to get over it because you're carrying these little bits of weight and you just got to put it down, you know? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and really just put it down. There's always going to be something more to do. You know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Life has changed. Um, there will be plenty of stuff to do. Life is just stuff to do. And, you know, we can't do it all. And so we accept that we can't do it all. We accept we're not as productive as we used to be. Priorities have shifted. So there are some things that are really important. Um, so there's a model that says engagement, really physically engaging with our world hands on. So what are activities that one can do that? And it may be, you know, playing something with your with the kids, taking a break during the day. It's not all schooling. Let's do something like that. Or maybe it's an activity hands-on for us as individuals. It's like, okay, I'm going to get the art materials out or, you know, something. Or I'm going to bake some bread so I've got something to punch, you know. It's, right. It's like needed that <laughs> or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. like, so that's really important. I also I already mentioned finding our voice on, expressly asking for what we need is really important. We need to have a sense of uh, belonging and building trust and connections with others. And one of the things that I'm hearing from people, which is really interesting, is they're reconnecting with people who they haven't seen or spoken to for years and years. Mm -hmm. And that sense that, oh, these are people who are in my life in normal times, uh, I assume they're okay. But let me check and find out if they are okay. These, you know, Zoom gatherings that families are doing and being connected, being connected with the people in positive ways who we're living with, right? Can you find an activity that creates a positive connection? So, and a sense of belonging. And this is something we can really do if we just sit quietly and just picture the fact that, if we can imagine what 7 billion people look like, 
and like pan back from that and see ourselves <laughs> in there and understanding that someone halfway around the world is at home with his wife and her ch and their children and struggling the same way and worried about the future and job and income and what's going to happen and how long is this going to last. Uh, we're all in this together. And then the last one is reflection. Try to try to deepen our our knowledge, our self knowledge, and find meaning in our experience. Meaning comes from us. The experience is the experience. But how can I give this meaning? What is my purpose now? What can I do? Now, you know, as you are working with so many people, uh, helping them out, finding a healthier way to cope with something that's really difficult and making recommendations with you know medications and supplements because people are still sick not everybody has coronavirus they've got a lot of other stuff right that they need help with. diarrhea is still a problem it's still a problem exactly <laughs> so and now allergy season yes. is here mm -hmm. you know so you know what is our purpose and how we bring meaning to that purpose and to this experience is really critical for getting us through it. So those are some effective ways that we can address, you know, when we're feeling on the edge, you know, and I'm just going to say it one more time, just acknowledging I'm on the edge right. and it's okay. It's totally okay. It's okay to feel this way. Mm -hmm. Be thoughtful about the actions that you take when on the edge, but there's no judgment about the experience or the feelings. And yeah, sometimes we're going to get short and sometimes we're going to get tired and sometimes we're going to raise our voice and sometimes we're going to say things we wish we didn't. But we can make amends and we can apologize and we can tell the people in our lives we love them and we're sorry, you know, and it's okay. We're going to be okay. We can reassure each other to the greatest degree possible. We're in this together. We're going to do what we can and to reach out to people who you know, once again, connection, who may be on their own. And just give them a call for five minutes. How's it going? Right. And that gives us purpose and meaning. Being human. This is going to be the last one, Dr. Dresdale. I want to talk about these protesters. <laughs> these, <laughs> these pandemic deniers, right? Yeah. I kind of feel that this macho attitude about, oh, this isn't a big deal, you know, and all of that are just unhealthy manifestations of some internal struggle, right? I mean, they, like people aren't really that upset about not being able to, out, to go out to like Olive Garden, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> right? They're not going to put people's lives at stake for a bread basket, right? Right. You know, like, and like sports are fun, but is it worth hundreds of thousands of other people's lives, including potentially their own you know, family or their, their loved ones, you know? Mm -hmm. So for me, it's, this is a tough thing to deal with the, you know, the misinformation and how that's fueled and then the resultant erratic behavior. So yeah. do you have any? Well, yeah, if people were rational, I'd be out of business. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. and maybe it's just and, my idealistic <laughs> head here, you know, but yeah. like, there's gotta be something um, else, isn't there? <laughs> so, yeah, so when we see this stuff on the surface, as I think you're alluding to, Neil, we have to ask what's underneath. And what's underneath is fear. People haven't ever encountered this before. Their fear, that whether they are in touch with it, 
the fear is there. What's going to happen? Uncertainty is extremely difficult for people to deal with. And everything that we thought was normal is no longer normal. And everybody's talking about the new normal. But people who are losing their jobs don't have any money in the bank, perhaps losing their homes, etc., 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 are afraid. So when we are afraid, we need to deny what makes us afraid if we don't admit it to ourselves. And anger is a strong way to deny fear, right? So almost invariably behind anger is, is fear and pain. Um, but anger makes us feel big and strong and powerful. So if people gather together and are chanting and carrying signs and uh, essentially being rebellious, right? You can't make me, I'm in control, is a psychological defense against feeling out of control and being afraid. And uh, that o then overrides the reality of the danger to themselves and to the society at large. You know, contracting and transmitting uh, a virus that will make us, or most of us at least, very sick, if not kill us. Although, as we know, there are some people that don't have symptoms at all, which makes it even more dangerous, right? And um, what happens when people are in conflict? Uh, there's a theory that is well-established in psychology called cognitive distance theory. So if you know there's a dangerous virus, but you also <clears throat> are in conflict because this dangerous virus is overturning your life and putting you in jeopardy in other ways, financially, etc. that dissonance has to be reduced. So one of the ways to reduce the dissonance is, well, there is no virus, or it's not as dangerous as they say it is, or these eggheads don't know what they're talking about, or it's a hoax, or if it is, I don't care. Whatever it is, that dissonance needs to be reduced. Um, otherwise, they have to face their fears and struggle with what is the, the, the truth of the matter. And also, it gets confusing because there are people in areas of the country where they don't see the pandemic up front and personal, up close and personal, rather, like the major cities have been seeing. So they look around at their world and they're going, I don't get it. Everything looks okay here. Why do those people have the right to tell me what to do when there's nothing bad here? Hopefully nothing bad happens there, but sadly I think these, many of these people have now exposed themselves and we're going to start to see an uptick in other areas of the country. Just like the two kids that got us in trouble at recess and ruined recess for everybody. That's right. They ruined it for everybody. And so, mm -hmm. you know, people have gone to these protests. They might have carried the virus into their communities. Mm -hmm. um, so, the, so my take on this is, my understanding is that this is predominantly a way to try to cope with what is really fearful and the incredible uncertainty we have about what's going to happen in our lives going forward. And the more disruption, the more defense, the more fear, the more defense against it, and the more the anger, and the more the denial, and the more you can't tell me what to do.
Dr. Dresdale, thank you so much for joining me on Coping with COVID. It was very great to see you. I haven't seen you in a while, so this is good. And uh, do, you have any clo- do you have any closing <laughs> thoughts on, on what we should be, uh, you know, leaving with here? Do you have any clothing? <laughs> no, that strip club joke is coming back to haunt me. <laughs> I'm just going to keep we, it in now. Now we know it's stuck in your mind. Okay. Okay. Closing. Closing. Write it down. Closing. <laughs> it's written down. That's the problem. It's written down. Yeah, closing. Okay. Closing thoughts. Closing thoughts. <laughs> you want me to do that now? Yeah, go ahead. No, you're not going to do another intro? I'm not going to do it. I think the most important thing is just to allow yourself to be yourself. Don't hide your feelings from yourself or anybody else. Acknowledge them, be conscious of them, and do what you need to do to take the best care of yourself, because if you don't take care of yourself, you won't be able to help or take care of others. And then share that caring with as many people as possible. Excellent. Yeah, I think if we dare it, like this pandemic could make a lot of our lives remarkably better. You know, there's more, more awareness of our health than there ever was and how our health impacts other people. You know, the environmental stuff is amazing seeing how that's changing. Yes. Uh, And, you know, for us and a lot of people I know, we're really evaluating what's important. It's pretty crazy to me that the economy's tanking when we're not buying useless crap and we're only buying what we need, you know? So, that is remarkable. So for us, you know, cutting down on activities, giving our kids more space to have free time to play outside, you know, those kinds of things instead of stuffing our day with activities. It's all, it's all come to light. So again, thank you all Great. out there for taking the time to listen and please, please be safe. Do you want to say Yeah, there was just one thing I wanted to say because oh, sure. based on what you said there, you know, we all know about post-traumatic stress disorder, yeah. but there's also a well-studied phenomenon called post-traumatic growth. And that's what you're referring to. People who come out of traumatic circumstances actually go through a positive transformations. Many do, up to 50, 60% of people, remarkably, come out changed and apply that to their lives going forward. So let's hope that many of us do that uh, when this is all over. Thank you all for taking the time to listen. Please be safe. Stay home. Wash your hands. Don't cough in somebody's face. Uh, when you have the time, make sure you're breathing. You know, this is a great opportunity for you to build a meditation practice. If you haven't, we've got uh, podcasts on the topic. Dr. Dresdale was the guest. We've got blogs on the topic as well. Um, so check out all of our information on coronavirus and more and uh, take, a, take a look at it all. Uh, let us know what you think. And until next time, keep listening and keep learning and please be well. 